This morning's Dharma talk is titled The Three Second Opinion. And so using this title is just a way to bring our awareness, our minds to uh, taking a close look at opinions, taking a look at a three second interval for that matter. But it seems that opinions begin by uh, concluding something, and that can be an instant concluding, commonly called jumping to conclusions. The jumping part, I think, has to do with the, maybe the three second, or maybe not. But it seems that we we come to conclusions, or we have th- this very, very temporary opinion. All of us do. I have them, you have them, we all have something kind of coming to a, a conclusion about something. And then if it stays there very long, uh, it needs to be maintained by something. And this is one of the ways that it's maintained. Once the opinion is formed, the self-centeredness out of wanting, not wanting to be unstable, or let's put it this way, to acknowledge its instability or discontinuity, it will shut down and not examine that anymore and just make it just a cement block in the closet that you pull out when anything around that area is uh, anything in that is threatened. We say, well, this is how it is. Well, this is what I believe. Well, I've always thought this. The idea of the three-second is to help us, help you, help me, to understand how instantly the mind jumps into some kind of a trap of fixation in order to feel better. This is probably where, not able to talk to the Buddha, but probably where the idea of uh, life is suffering, the very first teaching that uh, he spoke of, as far as we know. Life, life is suffering. It's difficult. There, there's a difficulty. And this doesn't take away from happiness or joy or celebration or raised uh, feelings. Um, uh, it, it may even, probably uh, even, adds to the energy there by not separating things out, by not pushing down negativity and somehow arbitrarily or... Uh, impulsively bringing up, uh, trying to maintain some kind of joy or some kind of happiness or just, you know, just look on the bright side kind of thing. You know, that works for a while. We don't have too many whiles. Not to speak negatively, but there's three marks of existence. Nothing lasts. All compounded things are going to decompound. Is that a word? They're going to come apart, go back into the elements, including this, these human forms. <laughs> but while we're here, we can begin to look deeply. Uh, if, you're, if this is a spiritual path for you, then you can look deeply into what this fundamentally is. And looking at, uh, as you're sitting, as you're in uh, what we call post-meditation, doing your everyday business, uh, walking around, talking to others, uh, you can begin to notice, and you will be able to, especially be able to notice more clearly the way opinions surface and form and lock down. They surface out of oppositions usually, things come together and we conclude. And then we, to solidify that, then we, that's something, that's how we feel. All, all uh, 
uh, Cocker Spaniels uh, are mean. Of course, they're not, according to Michelle. <laughs> but that's just her opinion. So. Notice how often we will actually kind of casually, well, that's my opinion. What's your opinion about that? But we're actually, at, we're actually encouraged to be uh, closed-minded, shut down, self-centered, and ignorant. What's your opinion? If somebody asks you what your opinion is, uh, you actually can say, I don't really have an opinion on that. You could even do that in spite of the, the lockdown that you haven't been able to quite break loose. You could, because there needs to be some kind of energy, just like the energy of coming to the wall, sitting down. We walk in the Zendo, walk into our meditation room, and uh, we may feel pretty negative. We may, may feel like this is never going to work. Those kind of little micro uh, three-second opinions appear. This is never going to work. We are doomed. <clears throat> So it seems to be about observing the way the mind rises out of uh, stillness or slumber or uh, very little movement into something else, into some kind of grasping, fixation, clinging. This is the way the 12 links on the chain of existence work. If you study those, I'm not going to give a talk today on that. I think I have in the past. I probably will at some point in the future if there is such a thing. But the list leads to that, leads to that, leads to that. And at some point, what we're asking you to, to do, what I'm asking you, what the whole lineage is asking you to do is slow down. Slow down. How do you slow down? Well, we call it meditation. You could call it just slowing down. You're going to slow down. Sit still. Observe what continues to keep going. Not slow down. Maybe, maybe even speed up. So those, those little uh, three-second uh, opinions, it's just a way of talking about it, as I said before. It might be longer, might be shorter, but some way of, of clamping down on uh, the fixation or the opinion part of it comes from beginning to, to come to that conclusion and then look away or distract ourselves or go into something else. And then by doing that, that seems to be there as a reference point to protect our, our uh, discontinuous identity. And so it's, as I've said about many, many other aspects of consciousness, it's not about getting rid of anything. That's a misunderstanding based on locking down on, on the, the workability of relative truth. Just because this happens, we can make a sound. So we buy into that because we're isolating this little situation and it creates the, the illusion of control. You really don't have much control. The control you have is uh, small. So by, by looking at that without pushing, by looking at that without pulling, by looking at that without turning away, we begin to see 
deeply, since nothing lasts, the very object or construct or opinion that we look at, it, it can't it can't hold still, it can't solidify. And it can't actually be, it can't be what it pretends to be, the truth. It pretends to be the truth. And so, as uh, Andy Warhol once said, everybody's going to be famous for 15 minutes. Anybody thought about that one? Well, everything's going to be true for three seconds. So put that in your wheelbarrow, take it to summer camp. I can continue, but I'm also happy to answer questions if you have them. Could you say what you mean about the three seconds again? It's just an arbitrary time. I could have said one second, but that would have been wrong. Just my opinion. <laughs> I could have said two seconds, that wouldn't have been, it would have been okay, but not quite enough. I thought I said four seconds, that's, a, that's a, a number that has four corners to it. And of course, we all know any kind of construct like that is, uh, really uh, goes against the idea of the teaching of impermanence. So it makes it harder for me to teach impermanence. More? Could you say more about the interval? Uh, yes, I can. The interval is what we fill up with something. Uh, the interval that we don't fill up with something uh, is uh, clarity. And it's not clarity about something. If you have clarity about something, this is just a different levels of relative truth. It's called insight. Actual insight isn't insight at all. All the insight leading up to that is like little stair steps. That uh, they're more more about encouraging you rather than getting somewhere. And I know there are teachings, teachings everywhere that are very very uh, linear and stair step wise. First we go to this level, then to that level, and there's this boomy and that boomy and this boomy. Not doing away with that. I'm just saying what I would like you to emphasize is train your mind. See it yourself. It's not something to believe in. Believing in the 12 links in the chain of existence or believing in the, the 10 boomies, the 10, 11 boomies, the 12 boomies is, is not going to help much. Yes. I think you said that the interval we don't fill up is clarity. Can that interval still appear full? Pardon me? Can that interval still appear full? Appear full? Oh, yes. The kind of interval we're talking about here is uh, completely full. It's not, it's not full of what it's not, but it's full of what it is. So we use relative terms to try to talk about something that is, that is uh, difficult to locate, because when you locate it, it dies, because it's, it becomes a relative cause and effect situation. We are swamped with cause and effect. It's a wonder, it's just a miracle this kind of thing can even occur. Because of the, the, the possibility, or say you could say the chances of this not occurring, based on our relative understanding, are really high. I know it's astonishing to our neighbor, Tom, that he's living next to a monastery. We just talked to him this morning. Andrew? What control do we have? We could reach for this. We could have some coffee. We can change brands and get a haircut. Can, you know, very, very simple. We can get to the cushion, sit down, and, and endeavor to find out instead of taking this for granted and trying to squeeze uh, uh, what I call artificial happiness out of our sense fields. 
get the object that goes into the sense field that feels good instead of the object that feels bad. I'm not saying to go the other way around, which is what the Buddha actually did to try to torture himself so he could get a better idea of what the whole sensorium was about, how that worked. And he probably stumbled into no self. So a little bit of control. And so the control we have is you can dedicate yourself to others, to helping others. The world is full of others that are are empty of uh, what they think they are. They don't know that, so therefore they suffer and they fight and they create intense wars. So we can help them, but we can't interfere with them because it just makes the spinning worse. So what we do is we uh, just observe. And then when, when a door, you have a huge uh, a door, a huge a wall of uh, confusion and misery and anguish and happening, just observe that. And if and you if you just observe it and you don't become selective about your idea about helping someone, then that will open up. It's difficult because any kind of sh- uh, shreds of self-centeredness that are happening here are, are uh, materialistic and want results. Results are extra. So looking at that, then you have the control to sit still. And if you're here, you have the control to sit here. Hold still. Watch what continues to, to move, that there's some kind of control happening there. And then, of course, it goes without saying, you have the control to leave here, go do something else, you know, buy a store in Athens, Michigan, see if you can make that work. Probably not. That's not a good location. Come to me first, and I'll say, do that in Kalamazoo. And then you say, well, don't you think I should stay at the monastery and meditate? I would say, what do you think you should do? Uh, and then you would, then you would say, what? Yeah, you would say, I should stay at the monastery and meditate. So good. Okay, we got that settled. So, and that's what the whole idea of the teacher-student is about. You, you, you give a little bit of control to the teaching person so that they can, uh, can with your permission, can help you a little bit based on their understanding of what the so-called fancy uh, metaphor is, big picture. A teacher, a spiritual guide or teacher, uh, may look like they're interfering with somebody, but probably not without their permission or some kind of opening that may not even be present. As someone say, "Yes, I get." I've had people say, "Yes, I give you permission to help." You know, to, they don't mean that. They want to be someone who gives permission. And then I have people who don't say that at all, who I know I have permission from them. And so, uh, a little bit of control. You can kind of see that. I mean, you can kind of see you, you didn't, we don't really remember. Uh, there might be people who will say they do. How we got here, why we had this mother and this father, this kind of uh, uh, activity in our mind, how we felt. When I was when I was a five or six years old, I was totally scared to death of everybody and everything. And anything, anything I could do to stay out of sight. So that feeling is not totally changed. There's a, a there's a extreme uh, uh, self consciousness still comes and goes. It's not the, it's not the doesn't have the energy that it had at one time. But it can't find anybody that feels that way. The feeling comes up, but it can't find a guy, a person, who has a problem with that. It doesn't. I'm not saying oh I have no problem with anything. It's, it's not a it's not a 
a thing that you claim. You wouldn't if you claim that, then there's some other kind of shady thing going on, suspicious. It's just the case. It doesn't have a, an apparent a past or future to it. More control. Is that control limited to a physical material realm? Not necessarily. It, it gets more and more rarefied as it begins to leave the the slow uh, slow vibration of physical form and goes into the higher vibrations of, of mentation or uh, imagination uh, or uh, different forms of insight that have higher and higher levels. Sometimes in the teachings, the, the teaching talks about trying to get to those. Uh, I, I teach, just be, just see what this is before you go anywhere else. See what this is before we try to create, leave this and go to something else. So you could, we have control, we could go, you could go study under a teacher, study Kundalini Yoga, you could go go into Christianity, there are people there that are full of information about how to do that. So there's all kinds of people with different tracks going this way and that way. It's, the right and wrong is kind of beside the point. It's just uh, quite a, quite often there's a gaining idea based on that you can get control if you do this and this and this and this. And the Buddhism is not an exception to that. It has uh, forms that way. More. If we realize, does self-centeredness go away? Pardon me. If we realize, does does self-centeredness go away? No. <laughs> Thank you. No, it doesn't. It's it's just seen to be unreal. It hasn't. It has no. It's not substantial. And therefore, it's uh, because you're not doing anything with it anymore. Then it takes on whatever kind of karma uh, showed up as this particular form or this form or any form is still roiling around, perhaps, or or, or perhaps it's settled down and kind of lays flat or lays dormant. Just, just using words, but it's, it's more that you see that it's unreal, and that seeing that it's unreal is extremely vivid. And it feels, it can feel like some kind of a self, except there's no maintenance going on. It can feel like you're, you're more self-centered than you ever were. It could. It could do. It could do. You're, you aren't going to find a credential or some kind of proof. Uh, all, like I say, often all evidence is partial. If you have ed- evidence for something, uh, then you're missing something. This proves that. And it's not that, that that relative in that little situation of a hammer hitting a nail isn't relative truth, but there's a whole lot that's missing there that is really important and can't happen without who made the hammer, where did it come from, where did they get the metal, what kind of, how did they, where's the tree that the handle came out of, it was a wood. How was a nail? I mean, I could go on. It's I could go on and on, but it's kind of, of course, we we know about all that. But that that's the metaphor that I'm endeavoring to use to help you see that there's a whole lot you can't see. So rather than try to see what you can't see, let's see what you can see, because it's right in front of you. As my teacher Chogyam Trungpa Rinpoche said many years ago. you don't have to go anywhere. Everything is available right now. This doesn't mean you can't sit down and endeavor to go into a particular area, into an area where you're having anger. But that's it's right now. You're working with that right now. That doesn't mean you can't do some of the uh, some of the ways, the practices, the way we do uh, uh, deep consciousness work. Go into someone's deep consciousness and see what's 
what is happening in a, an area that they, they're not having access to. Just another kind of cooperation. We're just cooperating. No big agenda about it, just cooperating about helping someone see what is fundamentally true. This is what dream practice that uh, Ch uh, the program Chazan teaches, uh, um, uh, intentional dream uh, practice. I think that's what we call it, where we train to go use the dream state to actually explore consciousness in a different way. And not to try to be an astral projector or have OBEs or uh, try to have a particular thing necessarily, but to use that to deeply understand what, what this uh, situation is about. Some people are ready to do that, others do not. There's no, there's no promotion going on. Shut up. You were talking about, uh, um, for instance, like uh, an emotion or something coming up, but there's no one there to have that. And you said to make a claim, something else shady is going on. What's the difference between noticing something like that and claiming something like that? I think it's the it's the opinion we have an opinion that we're that something is happening, rather than just it just it's a transient, just comes in comes in one door we notice it's like a, a phantom, comes in and then it keeps on going. And there's no there's there's no one the image I metaphor I use, very pictorial. It's like there's a there's a house that used somebody used to live there, and we call it the seventh consciousness, and. Uh, uh, things come from the the Aliyavijanana storehouse, or come up from uh, the the six sense fields, including uh, the mind, the six consciousness, thinking process about this, seeing this, looking at that, liking this, not liking that. All that comes up, and it store it goes through the seventh, just to use a metaphor. We don't know what what it does for sure, but it's just a way of bringing our mind into that area so we can get an idea how how that functions. And so, to the one who is the one who is uh, unclear, fun functioning out of a, of a belief or an opinion or an idea that there is someone that needs protecting, needs advancing, or needs ignoring. Uh, to, to use that same metaphor, that little building or the seventh consciousness, uh, that's all, all the doors are closed and there's little guards on the doors so we make sure that anything going through uh, runs through some kind of identity check or approval or disapproval. You know, you could take that metaphor quite a ways. Do a lot with it, but uh, I'm just using it just to give an idea how that might look uh, as, as a metaphor. Closed building with guards, and uh, and it would be different with each person. And then uh, to the one who has realized there isn't <laughs> no one living there, there isn't anyone there. Everything's still happening. Things are still going on, but there's no one there. Now that could could mean there isn't even any house. It could mean that there's just this. But if, but if that's starting to break down, then that starts to be more open. The doors start to fall off, and everything is allowed to flow back and forth. And at some point, to use the conventional or the um, traditional uh, uh, metaphor for realization that there is a turning about at the basis of consciousness, alaya vijnana, or the uh, vijnana, or deeper levels. It's hard to say exactly what it is using concepts. There's some kind of area where instead of storing and shoving things into some area to protect them, save them, create some kind of identity, that suddenly everything is, that's an open, open dimension, so things can flow every direction. There's no, no advancement, no regression. 
the one the one who is a human being who is who has realized this uh, may uh, not uh, take on any particular function at all. If they did, it would be out of this. It wouldn't be out of. Hmm, I think I should start a laundromat in Athens. Don't don't go to Athens. People do their own laundry down there. That being silly, but I'm saying some kind of a hmm. Anytime you go hmm, you, know, you should just keep humming. That's where the you probably know that's where Om Ah Hum came from. Om Ah Hum. No offense to anyone. Done done that those mantras many many times, and they help. Hyun. Is there a way to use halfway measures with emotions? Well, that's a good question. So halfway measures is a teaching that I've uh, done before. I don't know where it came from. Uh, maybe I thought it up. Maybe somebody else did. But it's like, uh, I have a bell here. Yes, I do. I have lots of bells. Will the sutra mind if I set a bell on top of the sutra? Can anybody speak for the sutra? Okay, so the halfway measures that uh, Kiyun is mentioning uh, is uh, this is the way I would demonstrate it. So if we're going to strike a bell, we. But halfway measures, if we were going to do something, this is going to be applied to anything you're doing, any function. And you might want to do, not want to do this uh, when you're trying to uh, lead a, a chanting or something like that, but just practicing or when you're by yourself or any activity. It could be, uh, um, be anything from chopping vegetables to mowing lawn, any, anything. To actually take uh, somewhat of an arbitrary, but kind of like halfway point, and stop there and see what the consciousness, what's happening there. See what consciousness does when it, when it has a, an imputed start and an, and an imputed or believed-in finish. I'm starting, I'm going to, I am going to strike the bell. I strike it. There's the strike. And, the, and, the, and then the, the separation idea is reinforced by this and then striking the bell. But if you if you practice uh, halfway, halfway, strike the bell, and then halfway back. And so what Kiyun is asking is, could that kind of a of a, an awareness practice uh, by dividing things up that way, or coming in with a somewhat arbitrary divi division, other than you've actually called it halfway? Um, Can that be hap Can that be applied to? Did you say emotions? Yes. So, I, I think the way because it isn't a, it isn't a physical since it's a, a higher vibration. It's not the physical vibration of the, the intense believability of a physical, arm, bell, room, sound, all of that that makes us think this is real. Uh, instead, we're. We go into an area where emotions are start have been triggered by something and starting to arise. Uh, I, I would think the, you would have to do something. The, the, the motion you would have to work with there, instead of the swinging of an arm, 
would be the motion of thought and the, uh, whatever is reifying the emotion. Because the emotion is fine. The thought is fine. It's when the, when the, when the emo emotion starts to enlist the aid of thought patterns to reinforce it. So you could take, uh, you take the opposite direction. This would take quite a bit of practice. You could take, uh, when the emotion arises, you could intercept that with, what is that? So as, as soon as an emotion of anger starts to arise, rather than fuel it with your um, uh, three-second opinions, 50 or 60 of them, all on top of that, that it's okay to be mad, uh, they, they did that, I wouldn't be mad if it weren't for that, but you know, I don't need to go on and on about that, how we reinforce our emotions. But you could come in and just intercept it with just uh, use thought in thoughts, you know, is a, has some, uh, uh, some aspect of being able to control it. Um, as uh, Andrew was asking about, you could come in and, but you, you have to be very careful not to go from that right to seeing if there's a result. It's just the practice. Results have a, a resonance with self-centeredness that is very hard to see. It's not that we don't need some results. I'm not trying to you know, throw the, the water out with the chickens or whatever the image is there. So just, just, it's just like you're doing this, you stop. It's just like the emotion is arising. Uh, uh, of course, the difference is you can, uh, you can do this as a physical situation and to do emotions as something that you can do uh, can be done, but it takes, takes a lot of understanding to be able to do that. And when I say understanding, I don't say it's something you've gotten, but something you've, it's more like the ignorance about it has dissipated and your, the wisdom with which you were born begins to, begins to see what this is. Um, just a few, a couple talk, I gave a talk on anger management there where I uh, flew into a rage. I'm going to give a talk on three-second rage one of these days. So it was kind of, a, and, but it wasn't, I was not particularly acting. A little bit, of course, because I had to do it. But it was actually, I just, it's like there's an area or a, uh, it's, it hasn't have a location. It's just a way of understanding where you have access to everything. You have access to happiness. You can actually just be happy. You can actually just be angry. Because those are just, they're just dynamics that are, that don't have any personality in them. That's why it's so mysterious when we start to work with that intense feeling because it so much feels like there's somebody who's having that. Very, very confusing and very, uh, what, elliptical. The, the circles always look like straight lines. The straight lines look like circles. I rest my carafe. Um. An example that shows up for me that seems to be something that I feel a lot of people have happens, like you get angry and then someone makes you laugh and instead of just laughing, you're like, you're like no, I'm angry right now. Like you don't want to, you don't want to yeah. be done being angry. That's so a good, good one, yes. Um, are we able to, is there a practice or something we can do to allow that shift to occur? I, I, I feel that when that, if you can notice when that's happening, if you can see it soon enough, uh, you, you, there, there's a way of just receiving. You go into just receiving. Just uh, don't. You don't have to ignore the anger. What you're, what we're trying to do is reinforce why we're angry. Well, I'm, oh, I'm not going to shut off the anger because I'm justified. You know, there's some kind of, and that that has to do with the self-centeredness uh, fueling that anger. But if you if you if you've been practicing, receive, 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 and after you've received, then keep receiving. 
receive. And then how do you do that? Give everything your attention. So you know what to receive. If you give everything your attention, then the very thing, very uh, object that you need to receive will be apparent. And to, to one person it, be, it would be one thing, to another person it could be some other dynamic. So when that's happening, this is something I think everyone experiences somewhat. Just, you know, you're mad and somebody doesn't want you to be mad. <laughs> so they, what would they say? What would give me an example of what, what Jun Chu would say? <laughs> <laughs> or anyone. It could just be like they're not like feeding back into your anger. They're just yeah. down, not even downplaying it, but just being lighthearted about it. Yeah, I don't know anything, uh, not that there isn't things that I don't know about, of course, but but just try to receive uh, what they're doing. If, you, if, you, if you're angry, then you've probably been doing some expressing already, so try to receive that. It's, it's not easy. It can, be, it can feel humiliating to do that. Because it, then we start to have this kind of a guilty feeling uh, about even getting angry. The guilt, uh, all of this stuff is all about the self-centeredness, just different aspects of self-centeredness that have not been seen uh, to be unreal. What's that foolishness we feel when when the anger doesn't live out the length that we wanted it to have? Space. <laughs> Space. You could, you could say it's a um, toddler wisdom. Baby wisdom, not separate. It's not the the, the wisdom and the and the craziness of the confusion is not separate, and we can't think our way to it. Not that there aren't people who try to talk about that, but we can't we can't really make that happen. We can't control that in the happening. But what we can do is look at the control we have, use that. You want to use some control? Sit down, hold still, just like talking at the at the. The prison had MTU, the prison, yesterday to talk to, what, 80 people probably? 80 people that are, are, because of causes and conditions that are not related to intelligently, our society has put 80 men in a box. Not that they weren't antisocial or whatever, but put them in a box rather than fundamentally helping them. It just keeps everything spinning around. So, I, But I, I wasn't there. I'm not here now particularly particularly to go any further with that and try to do anything about it. What I am saying is let's do something we do have some say. That's a leviathan of society and culture of right and wrong, good and bad, crime and punishment that just goes on and on. Pretty hard to go headlong into that without getting swallowed by that leviathan and being on one end of the war, the winning side, of course, or the good guys against the bad guys. Not, not a good idea to do that. It's all over the place. But what you can do is you can train this so you so you lose this war. So you actually the the tension, the intense warfare that goes on here uh, begins to subside because there's there's no one there who's trying to win something else. So these gentlemen who were in there, uh, I was going in there to, uh, and uh, Kozan and uh, Unio also came. We all sat up on a stage and looked at these guys and. And uh, uh, taught them how to meditate. I don't know how whether it worked or whether it seemed to be okay, but uh, you know you have to start somewhere. That might not be a bad place to start. I've offered many times to teach uh, the guards in a prison to you know, I don't know, many times. 
through the chaplain, through the uh, recreational person, and it just has never happened. They always thank me. Oh, thanks. Yeah, we'll, we'll consider that. But th those, are the, those are the people that would really also be good to talk to is uh, train your mind so there's a lot of extra aggression going on, coming out of them. Well you said um, if you realize this, the self-centeredness doesn't necessarily go away. So if there's self-centeredness, let's just use the talk um, yesterday. If you're up on stage, do you ever does your physiology ever get hooked into that? So you're nervous or me nervous. <laughs> <laughs> Do you yeah. ever see evidence that your your self-centeredness is physiologically believing the situation enough that you're having a physical response? Yeah, that happens. Happened then. It's happening now. So it's not real. It's not real. Go ahead. You mentioned a little bit of control, like coming to the cushion. If that is coming up and you realize that you're there to teach something, are are you controlling that? physical response that might prevent you from doing the very thing you're there to do? Well, you're, you are having a lot of problems with pride, aren't you? <laughs> yeah. It's always about awareness. And, and if, it, if there's any kind of conclusiveness or conclusion that is, uh, that is uh, being grasped, uh, then all the awareness shut down, shuts down and we start looking for signs of success. There's no success. If I'd gone there, and, and I'm not saying I would have been kind of surprised, but if three people had shown up instead of 80, I would still talk to them. Just like when we went over to the federal prison in Milan and talked to them. I think there was about five, five gentlemen that came to that. Uh, and I know they have lots more Buddhists who are there, but the structure of the institution didn't allow them to come. And it, was, so it was a little disappointing, but then we just worked with the people that were there. More? Ask me about the self-centeredness. Yeah, do you ever get so worried that you're, not, not on purpose, but the self-centeredness is coming up, that you're shaking, whatever that self-centeredness is, is overpowering what naturally could arise as something to say? Not anymore. That doesn't happen. It's not that that didn't happen years ago, so it's self that I just uh, kept going. It's just important to just keep going. Don't, 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 don't ignore anything that's arising, but don't conclude that somehow, if I don't do this, that'll happen. If I don't do this, just don't buy into samsara and don't ignore it. If you buy into it, that means you think you, think you can probably control things. You think you can get a handle on things. And I'm going to say this, I'll, I'll say it, I'll say it, I, I would love it if you have questions about this. Just suffer. Don't refuse the very nature of, of human existence. Human existence is suffering. It is not nihilism. That's, that's, a, that's a complete misunderstanding. But to reject the very suffering that causes and conditions have brought you into this, uh, into this human realm, uh, to, to try to stop those when, when all the engines and all the, the, the uh, the energy that's been behind that uh, before this physical form even got here has been coming and coming in here. Now it's trying to show up and express itself through this. Don't don't turn it down. 
don't enhance it, and don't, uh, don't fight with it or ignore it. More? Um, no, not yet. Not yet. Go get over. I'm uh, just wondering how you uh, related pride to wanting con wanting to control a physiological response when you were talking to Kozan. Well, that's a self-centeredness shows up as, as pride. You can't see pride. If you could, you'd stop doing that. You, but but you, you actually, it's, there's actually an imputation that's knee-jerk, that that's me, and I'm not going to fail, or I'm not going to, if there's any kind of worry about not looking good, uh, any anything like that, it's 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 just it shows you. Uh, like I think I had a I don't have it on now, but I have a purple uh, mala that I really like the color of it and the feel of it, and I sometimes uh, do mantras with that rather than uh, sometimes I use these because I'm going to do some mantra, but I, I was had that on and uh, one of the people uh, asked me. Um, I, I know you remember those questions. Julie asked you how do you use the malas? Yeah, and of course I'd forgotten until he asked me. Then I remembered, and then <laughs> well, I was going to take it off, but then I couldn't get it off. You know, it got stuck in my fingers, and I'm here struggling with it. But I remember the feeling, uh, the the feeling of enjoying that because because I'm making a fool of myself. I'm a monk with a mala. I can't get the damn thing off. <laughs> and I remember thinking, this is this is probably the best teaching of the whole thing. You know, it really was. It was you know. But I, I can't, you can't do something like that because then it's, it's uh, you know, it's pretentious or, or you're controlling on some kind or endeavoring to control. But to just be kind of foolish in front of a lot of people that you're trying to be, you're trying to help and you're trying to be sincere with, you know, then that might give, they might give what you're saying on the other side uh, a little bit of the benefit of the doubt. Maybe I should listen to this guy. And so... But that's not the goal. The goal is to go there and present the Buddha Dharma as clearly and, and concisely and precisely as you can with who's showing up. If you look back in the teachings, the way to teach this, it says, know what time to teach, know who your audience is, and know what you're going to talk about. And then don't add anything to that. Just go do that. Yes. Say to Um, A lot of times when suffering comes up, I feel like I need to stuff it in order to continue functioning. How do I let that suffering come in and still function? Okay, very good. So you don't have to let the suffering come in. You just have to be aware that you're stopping it. And, and, and that if you just, and you don't add anything on, like I shouldn't do that. That's what's subtle. You, you're, it's coming in and you, you get a, some kind of a negative credential about, I just can't stop this. That seems to make the self-centeredness more... You know, well, at least I'm trying, those kind of ideas. So you don't have to stop. Of course, if you can, but it needs to be done just with a simple, you just don't do it. And until you can just um, not do something that has been negative, you should just watch its action, because it just means that you haven't seen it totally yet. And the, the total part that you haven't seen is the someone behind it that wants it that way, or doesn't want it that way. It's the identity, not the, what rises in consciousness uh, is not as important as consciousness itself. Perception only, no, ob or no subject, no object. That has to be seen deeply before we can actually just function without dreaming of stuff and planning and 
Yeah, you know what I mean. <laughs> yeah, all you can do is chuckle at questions. Does the way in which we suffer um, help us to see which affliction is is um, predominant, and is that helpful? It could be. You have, you have uh, passion or grasping, and uh, aggression or rejecting and then shutting down or ignorance. So it, it could be. It's, it's interesting to look at those and watch the way those move relative to any situation you're in, to see the way you... Uh, seeing the, how you ignore usually is a, a past tense. Because while you're ignoring, the very nature of ignorance is to not see. But you might look back and realize that you were... Actually, you were listening to someone talk, and you were, you were ignoring everything they said because you were, you were busy judging them. You are busy thinking about stuff they said or done that you didn't really like and you thought that it was wrong for them to act that way or do that. And so with the last three or four sentences, you haven't even heard them. So I'll say it really softly. Receive. Just receive. Give everything your attention. I was thinking of the four afflictions, like pride of self, love of self, view of self, and confusion of self. Yeah. Is a particular style of that sort of suffering um, important to see? Of course, it's part of the, the seven consciousness is broken down into we. In Buddhism, we break things down into parts, not so we can modify them or change them, but so we can be more aware of the way we keep separating. So it's just a, a way of talking about separation. Pride is a very difficult one to see. The confusion of self, uh, uh, just a belief in itself, just four different ways. And when I when I think of those, they, they kind of rotate. It's difficult for me to memorize them because one starts to seem like the other one. A very good area to look into. The, the one that's difficult is to actually, that we just believe, we actually stop looking at the, the one who is having the thoughts and the ideas and the emotions, and we just assume, well, of course, you're, obviously there's somebody there, and that person, individual, needs to be protected. That's why sometimes uh, someone, it is often said that you know, when someone mistreats you, you should, you know, you should thank them because they're showing you where you're, they're actually triggering your neurosis. I'd be, be grateful to everyone. Choka. What is knowing your audience? Uh, it's, uh, it's not making assumptions about your audience before you get there. And uh, to, it's about uh, just receiving. So when you get in front of a group of people, that's why I... The hardest thing about my Dharma talks is coming up with a title, because I, I never have a title. I have to actually invent that and send it to Junshu. You have a title for your talk, and I send it, but I, I know that that's not very stable. And it kind of helps in a way, but I, I sometimes I just get up here and do mountains and rivers, which means just ask me questions. So, because when I come in here and see who's here, things start to shift. And I'm not adding, I'm not thinking about you and thinking about you. I'm not adding anything else. I, I see this. You should look closely at who you are. And you'll see, if you see who this is, 
then you'll see what this is and who this is. So I wouldn't care if there were 5,000 men out there. They would, there were 3,000 3, or 8,000 or what. It wouldn't make any difference how many people were there. But this, this 80 men and the next 80 men I talked to will be a different dynamic. Everything is constantly changing and in flux as long as there's some kind of situation that we call relative truth or uh, an apparent uh, movement of objects, people, beliefs, ideas, thoughts through time and space. So you, you, you speak to people where they're at and how do you know where they're at? You'll only know where they're at if you know where you're at. And if you, if you think you're somebody, if you think you're a Dharma teacher coming there to help people, like we were, you're, you're, you're missing the point. They're, they're imputing that you're in robes and you're sitting up there and let them do whatever they want with it. But don't, don't get trapped by that. Don't get trapped by their imputation of, well, you must know things or you, you're superior to us or you're inferior or you're teaching this and I don't believe in that. Uh, don't interfere with people's uh, confusion and don't interfere with your own confusion by coming to what? Uh, anything more than a three-second opinion. A three-second Three seconds is enough. You see something, you smell smoke, a house is burning down. That's a three-second opinion. But you might find out that it's somebody in the other room getting high. Better not happen in this monastery. Just saying. More? Good question. You know, you know that, but it's, the encouragement is to know that, but it's basically saying, know who you are, know who you are. Know what the Bodhisattva path is not about this person stooping down to help that that's a that's a more Theistic approach to helping someone big comes down and helps the poor little person uh, We don't do that help doesn't belong to anybody Generosity there's no no giver. There's no nothing given and there's no receiver. This is threefold purity and a teaching in Buddhism that there there isn't anything it's just just incredibly vivid and expansive and brilliant lucid emptiness and it is not a vacuum could you uh, I think you said that suffering is not nihilism you tied those two words together somehow how is I ask, what is nihilism in this context? Nihilism is a position on things. It's nihilistic, it's negative. Just like eternalism is positive and, and goes the other way, and uh, everything's going to be okay, and we just have to be able to look on the bright side, and uh, you know, various, there's all kinds of variations of that, and we could go on and on. Or maybe some people could, I'm not going to. But So it's just a polarizing of things. And all, all, we're sa all the Buddha is saying is life is suffering. He's just saying there's nerve endings everywhere, and they're being, uh, they're being abraded. They're being roughed up. And he's basically the basic teaching, and this is a difficult one, you can't do this conceptually. You have to do it through awareness to see that pain and pleasure are not two different things. They're separated, but they're not two different things. That's, that's a, if you begin to understand that, um, it won't stop you from going to the carnival. But it may stop you, or it may cut down on the energy that you give to anything that's happening to add on to what it is. It's just what it is. Um, a few minutes ago, you also said something about uh, you should thank the person who is uh, the 
disrespecting you or whatever nuance. Yes. Uh, how, no. how can we do that? You don't have to do it to them. Uh, they don't need that. It's not going to be necessarily helpful. I mean, it could happen, but it, it just needs to happen here. You need to see that this person has done this, and it's been something they did, actually did to bother you or hurt you or get in your way or offend you or whatever. But because it's caused you to turn your awareness back towards uh, a self that's been bothered by it, it's part of this helps you on your path, helps you look closely. Like I've said before, if I look at anyone in here, and even though I'm acting, which I don't act, but I would uh, act like I'm acting, and I would pick out somebody and just go right after them, and I could do that intensely because I, I just can. And I could also go the other way, and I could go uh, towards them very positively and build them up and compliment them and be. And and if if anything happens in your uh, in your your um, consciousness uh, to uh, agree with that or disagree with that or ignore that, that's that's uh, ego. And so uh, I could point out your ego. I can show your ego just by insulting you. I can point out your ego just by complimenting you. We all know this. It's very simple. So when someone does that, maybe not intentionally, they're just their confusion is going around, runs into your confusion. You're actually working with your confusion as a practitioner, and they may be too. They may be another uh, uh, your Dharma brother, Dharma sister. They're doing the best they can, and their their uh, intentions to be helpful and not be obstructive to others comes off the rails for a while because of causes and conditions that are completely unsearchable, and uh, and they, you know, their uh, boxcar runs into your caboose, then. You know, don't don't add things up like a point. You know, to, you know, if they hadn't done this, I wouldn't be adding on little trailers, little uh, post-it notes, and word balloons everywhere. Is this is what ego does to keep make sure nothing gets too close to its uh, apparent identity? It's uh, imputed. It's it's paracalpita. It's uh, so. Uh, what was your question? Well, it had to do with uh, people that are. When you are faced with a situation where you're feeling um, yes. attacked, I guess, and it, you know, there's so many there are. the wide spectrum of you know horrible abuse to just maybe a word or two. So it's just how to work with that. Word, so guess. you could you could if you can look at that, and even though you don't like feel that way, I mean, the feeling is not going to help you. It's it's going to be the opposite of that. But your your bodhicitta. Bodhi, chitta, awakening mind, enlightenment mind, that, that, that which brought you into this place where you, you want to understand deeply the truth. You wouldn't be here. You couldn't, you couldn't do this. Uh, as a, this is a, a spiritual path that doesn't necessarily require any kind of belief or disbelief in anything. It just it, All it requires is that you come and you practice and you endeavor, as the Buddha did 2,500 years ago apparently, sat down and understood who he was and began to talk to others about it. It's that simple. And it's that complicated. So the idea that with, with uh, uh, be grateful to everyone, just just even though you're, you're irritated by what's happening, you don't have to get rid of that. Don't get rid of anything. But actually add. You could say add in. I say don't add, but you could do that. If it has to do with the Bodhisattva path, it may look like adding until it's not. And then you add that in. When that difficulty comes up, you add that in. It's difficult because the person looks like a, an ass. They're, they're treating you. They're mistreating you. We're not getting rid of that. 
and that's not it doesn't help them uh, to be that. You don't have to necessarily tell them, but you, as far as your own subjectivity, you could say, uh, uh, "Thank you very much. I have no complaints whatsoever. Thank you for helping me." You could say that in your own uh, consciousness. I'm not telling you to do or suggesting you do something I haven't done extensively over the last 1,500 years or whatever it's been. Joseph. Buddha says, help all beings. Um, what would you say to uh, trust in God but lock your door? Well, it's a it's an interesting orientation, and it has to do with a different form of the spiritual path, a theistic form of the spiritual path. And I wouldn't, I'm not going to disagree with that. If, if someone needs to follow a theistic path, then that might be helpful to them. But it's not the same thing. It's more the idea of um, help people, but also protect yourself. Is there is there a point at which you would say? Uh, this is too much of a load for me to carry. Well, give me an example of the load. Well, I don't know that I could go into a jail and, and, and deal with that. That might be too much for me. And you shouldn't. There's no. There's no requirement. I, I don't. I don't encourage anyone to even sew one of these. This is your business. But if you come and want to do this, I'm going to interrupt you as much as I can to make sure you really want to do this. Because it's your business, not mine. Going into a prison, uh, I don't. I mean, I ask sometimes. We need volunteers in that area, but I don't want anyone doing that that isn't that doesn't have a deep understanding of what that's about. So it's no. If you were to, I've had people go in maybe once or twice and not go in again. That's fine. It's no, it's, it's very. You're going into a controlled hell realm where you're you're going in and you're you're seeing what a horrible thing we're doing to other human beings that are, and you meet people that are totally should not be in there. And you just all you have to do is talk to them for a few minutes in there, because of the causes and conditions that come up. Here they are. You know, I'm, I met one fellow I met in there who had been in there. Uh, he was in his forties. He had gotten locked up when he was fifteen because he was with a gang because he needed to have some kind of family, and that's the only one he had. So don't, the society doesn't look at that overall situation and try to help the person. They just punish them. So he was. It was a, heartbreaking to see that. On the other hand, there's also very, very dangerous situations in there, and one of the most dangerous situations in there is the very structure itself. Not the individuals so much. Of course, there's bad guys, you know, bad guys everywhere. But but the way they're treated makes it even worse. So to go in there and do what we do, it's, you know, we, if, we had a, if we have a group of, uh, as Kozan did uh, last uh, month, a, a group of 12 people out of a prison of uh, 11, 1,200 people. That's a lot of people because it's Buddhism and they won't, they won't let people just come and study meditation. This is why we did the open uh, meditation for stress reduction. For, I, I, don't, I don't know if I mentioned Buddhism at all, did I? Only huh? Context just context of our path. Yeah, a little bit. I'm a monk, but uh, we are monks. But, but uh, mainly about train your mind, find out who you are, find out where the confusion is coming from. So to be able to go in there and do that, uh, you have to have uh, 
you know, a certain kind of wiring, I guess. But but people do other things. Some people, uh, like uh, Hakaran, writes letters, and, and she and that's that's because she writes to inmates some. And so that we need that kind of help too. More. If if someone is insulting us, is there a way to say thank you? But that's enough. Like I can't take uh, any more of that. I'd be very careful about interacting with the person directly if they're insulting you, because they're because they may they probably since they're already insulting you, so they already show you how cloudy they are. Anything you would do, they will impute and what it is. They don't see what you meant. They will see your intention. They might even think. You know, you uppity so-and-so. How dare you think I'm going to buy into your false humility? You know, they could get worse. I mean, they could really get upset with you by doing that because then you're impugning their original insight by introducing them to something like, uh, like we were talking about earlier, about trying to soften somebody's anger. Don't soften anybody's anything. Mind your own business. And, and what you do when, when I go into a, 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 when I talk to anybody, whether it's in a hojo or in this situation or in a prison, I'm basically minding my own business. Probably doesn't look like it. But I mind my own business until I really get permission. And then I, you could say, change gears. And then I let you have it. <laughs> More? No. Any further? Very good. Thank you very much. We'll stand and dedicate the merit in the back of our yellow chair books. And also like to remind everybody about our donation boxes that are always in the hallway. We also encourage anyone who possibly can to consider giving us a monthly donation through PayPal Often Works or a monthly check. Uh, subscription type always helps us with our financial planning. Thank you for your help. penetrate into all places so that we and every sentient being together can realize the Buddha's way. The three worlds, all Buddhas, all venerable ones, Bodhisattvas, Mahasattvas, the great Prajna, Paramita. Heal everyone who is unhappy, sick, or suffering, and throw them into life. 